Hey everyone, this is episode two of the Uncivilized podcast, and uh, today we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic that um, Art and I stumbled across in the past few days, um, and that's going to be entryism into the American political system and what that would do for our movement. Um, I'll let Art start out. So the idea of entryism has existed in radical politics since predominantly the Bolshevik movement, and this was very popular and still is popular within the Trotskyist currents, and to some extent in the European uh, Marxist-Leninists, a lot of people find it to be opportunistic, uh, which is basically propelling yourself uh, for political power rather than for the movement. But I would, to some extent, see that as a case-by-case basis, and to call it just opportunistic is lazy. And people such as Ted have said that entryism into movements like Earth First um, is a good idea because it has that sort of skepticism of technology and progress, but it's about finding people who are more dedicated to that cause rather than just what you can consider sort of radical liberal environmentalism, so to speak. So I jokingly had this idea of join the Green Party, and then me and Brady started bouncing it off one another. <laughs> and that's sort of what this podcast came out of. So it's partly a joke, but also starts a discussion about what might be necessary moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to a few people um, where they were talking about how much they enjoyed the podcast and stuff, but they kind of wished that we weren't so serious all the time. And I agree. I'm not a very serious person uh, in general. So I think it'd be kind of fun to, uh, to talk about something like this. So the Green Party, what do we think of when we hear the Green Party art, or what do you think of? When I think the Green Party, I predominantly think of what their platform is, is social justice and uh, and a strong opposition to violence and what you can call eco-socialism, all of which are things I don't give a shit about. (laughs) Agreed, I agree. Fuck all of those positions. And yeah, yeah, it's basically, their liberals don't, don't don't pay too much attention to them. Just let them talk. Let them do what they're going to do. So mm-hmm. how do we change those platforms from liberal platforms and liberal positions into revolutionary positions? What mm-hmm. do you think? Because I have my own ideas, but I'm not as rational as you are. I think to some extent it's about not being into the parties as a sense of turning the Green Party USA into anti-tech party USA. It's about giving yourself a platform because as I've mentioned, they have a very liberal platform and they're very much into participatory and grassroots democracy, which already, as long as you have to some extent a workable personality and a strong sense of environmentalism, you might get that platform. And so I think it's about utilizing the movement for yourself and for the movement and you know what i know you've experienced this before because we've talked about this um in private people in the anti-tech movement people who are as our favorite article ever written the acolytes of the unabomber are very Mm -hmm. good at sort of not liberalizing our positions but making them more palatable for the everyday person to listen mm-hmm. to and not downright, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, shut mm-hmm. us out or reject us just from hearing them. So I think what we can do 
is I think we can take that skill that we already have and sort of apply it to a uh, major American political party. I think that would be, <laughs> I think that would be a worthwhile strategy. And I not only, I mean, that, shit, but... the alt right is doing it with the Republican Party. Why the fuck can't we do it with the Green Party? Come on. Hey, and I also think that what would be good moving forward is not just entryism into things like the Green Party, because what's interesting about the Green Party is they're not really a standard political party. They're an activist party, is what they do. They're activism. That's the basis of their movement. Most of them don't care about getting positions. It's about the fact that there are, and from my understanding, obviously as a registered party, they're non-taxable. So already they have a sense of like protection from the government. And then they are able to use that as a platform for activism. And a lot of the Green Party members push for the Democrats. That's generally what they do. They just, especially the, uh, what you could call the social Democrats or the, um, the justice Democrats who are basically anti-establishment in the sense yeah. of against, how can you say the, the standard or the moderate Democrats like the Clintons and the Obamas and rather they are the more uh, AOC Bernie types. But what's interesting is moving forward that we should also look if you're in, you know, if you're in high school or in college looking for environmental clubs, clubs that allow you a platform they allow you to go out and do work while also still maintaining your education, I think are good places. And when I'm transfer off to my four year, I intend to get involved in these environmental groups and clubs to give myself a platform and to meet other people. Cause this is what it's about. It's about meeting other people that might have the same interest or the same skepticism as you. And then radicalizing yeah. them. Yeah. Find your local conservation group, get out, talk to people, spread these ideas. That's the only way that we are going to win is by spreading our ideas. And I think that's not saying that we're like, oh, so important and up on a high pedestal here. But that's one of the main reasons why we started this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Originally, it was to spread uh, communistic views. And um, I think everyone can understand the importance of having a platform to spread those ideas, no matter how small or large it is. Um, you have to start somewhere. I agree. And I think speaking of uh, not just environmental work or like clubs, but doing environmental work. So uh, community cleanups, getting involved in those, making organizations and doing that. See, when you help people, they are more open to your ideas because now they see you as on their side. And this is stuff the Bolsheviks and the IRA were really good about was applying themselves to their community and giving themselves a voice because that that's what's necessary propaganda in and of itself is not useful the machine what you could call the spectacle or the simulacron or whatever term uh can help you know understand help people understand what is essentially a giant system of propaganda indoctrination we can't beat it because it's been developing for twelve thousand years and has especially done so for the last 300 and then the last 50 to 100 years. And so it has billions and trillions of dollars going into it. It's, it's movies, it's commercials, other forms of entertainment, it's education, it's the political systems, things we can't just beat out by publishing articles and doing podcasts. It's about doing action as well. And then doing yeah, anti- Yeah, I completely stuff. agree. Yeah, I completely agree. And um. I think one thing that we also need to make very clear is that um, when you're out joining these groups or starting your own organizations, you need to make connections with other radical groups. Um, some of my favorites 
would be like the Anarchist Black Cross, which was started in uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, in the United States, at least. Originally, it started over in England. Um, groups like Food Not Bombs, uh, the type of propaganda that would be necessary for our movement, I don't think would necessarily work on your average already non-radicalized person. Um, I think our propaganda would work best with, to be honest, anarchists. Um, so we need to make those valuable connections with those anarchists and uh, show them the light. Yeah, and I think people who are most open to these ideas, and we this is a conversation we had last night, um, it's not about converting people, but also sort of shutting down these these other alternative ideas that are admittedly outbeating us right now. So the people that are most, I think, open to this are your 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 libertarians, especially more on the left side, your your anarcho-communists, your green anarchists, um, naturists, people that to, they, they believe they truly are questioning the basis of the system, but it's about showing them that they're not. And that if anything, they're sort of pushing the system in a direction it's already going. Perhaps they are correct in questioning centralism, which they do, but overall the expansion of technology and globalism is already what this is, is the direction the system is going. It's about showing them that a proper anarchist would reject systems that naturally centralize power. Which is yeah, becoming not. becoming uh, <laughs> becoming an anti-tech person or anti-tech leaning. Um, it's almost like a five-step process. A lot of these green anarchists, eco-socialists, and other types are on the fourth step but it's just about showing them that fifth step is possible and that um, the notion of questioning everything doesn't stop at the mode of production. Yeah, people people see, well, with the expansion of cybernetics, and this is really popular accelerationism, is that production has become decentralized, but people forget that. On the other hand, power has become more and more centralized and that the development of technologies is almost less about production and more about behavioral modification outside of what your standard culture is already do, because culture in and of itself is behavioral modification, but the expansion of uh, new educational systems, prison prison facilities, monitoring, monitoring like your security cameras, the NSAs online and phone tapping service uh, systems, things of that nature, which are more about controlling the general populace, especially in the last I'd say 50 years, but generally just the 21st century, what has been basically almost 20 years. We've It's been an accelerated growth of these sort of developments that question or put in danger people's personal autonomy. I completely agree. I think that um, our main uh, focus that we have to um, sort, of, sort of shed light on is the... Uh, Patriot Act and the loss of personal autonomy that the Patriot Act has brought on since 9/11. Um, so that's going to be our that's going to be our main struggle is organizing a movement, spreading propaganda, and making connections with people during this time of I, I would personally say the least amount of autonomy that we've ever had, at least in the United States. Yeah, I agree. And while that's not to say that previous societies didn't control people that obviously didn't that's not true but what we mean is that even peasants 
in the in the worst times that peasants existed, which would be your you know your dark middle ages, things of that nature during the Crusades and that general time period, as while they did labor more so than almost any other peasant in history, they still had a considerable higher level of personal and local autonomy. And there's been points in history soon after the fall of Rome, for example, where the peasants, there were a lot of peasant communes and peasant um, general autonomy because the system that had existed for so long was shattered. And so the people on the bottom had more freedom than the people scrambling to take control because they were struggling after Rome fell and the power, the power vacuum opened up and that allowed people on the bottom to exert their will. Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the basis of that. Um, what would be the methods that we should go about entering into these political parties? Well, uh, uh, Kaczynski talks about this in the book, Anti-Tech Revolution, Why and How, which is a book I suggest for everyone. But generally for parties, I think is the same as entering other radical organizations like Earth First. I think if you're someone who has very, excel, how do I want to put this? Extraordinary social skills. You know, someone who can relate to people. They have no issue with public speaking. Uh, If they are good writers and you can get on their publications, publications are going to help so much, especially with those with larger audiences like Earth First when they put out periodicals and publications like that, or the Green Party with their newsletters. And that reminds me of what something Lenin wrote that Kaczynski cites. And this is Lenin on different newspapers or publications. And he says, a paper is not merely a collective propagandist and collective agitator. It is also a collective organizer with the aid of and around a paper, they will automatically develop an organization that will be concerned not only with local activities, but also with regular general work. It will teach its members carefully to watch political events, to estimate their importance and influence on various sections of the population, and to devise devise suitable methods to influence these events through the revolutionary party. The mere technical problem of procuring a regular supply material for the newspaper and its regular distribution will make it necessary to create a network of agents who will be in close contact with each other. So already you see, if you create a newspaper or if you get involved with one that already exists and they have laid this groundwork, you are forcing yourself to be a part of a network that necessarily involves you in important matters, which is why I think getting involved with Earth First Green parties, uh, extinction rebellion, these sorts of movements, getting on their publications or being involved in different meetings, so to speak, when they have delegations, that will be super important because it gives you a platform and people will listen because you're already interested in the general publication or delegation that is happening. You're just a voice in that and you need to take control of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think people are going to kind of have this misconception that um, this is going to be something that, oh, once you join a party, you have this platform that uh, you've never really had before. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to be slowly shifting dialogue towards our positions, slowly changing people's minds. And you cannot get discouraged by that slow movement. Slow movement is where it starts. So don't Mm -hmm. expect to, to hop into some major organization 
um, that has a gigantic platform to people all over the country and all over the world and expect to be some sort of uh, some sort of savior because it's just not going to happen that way. Also, joining these parties and immediately telling them that they're wrong and that eco-socialism is a line we need to abolish technology is not going to work. It's about, you know, maybe playing ball for a little bit, right? Allowing yourself to move up or to meet other people and create that network and then slowly disseminating those ideas into the party or to your caucus or your local delegation. Because if you just start throwing these ideas out, people are going to reject you. You need to build a connection before you start telling them that they're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And like um, we were talking about uh, like the justice Democrats, that's basically what they've been doing since um, the 2016 uh, race for the presidency. They have been slowly infiltrating um, the Democratic Party uh, through local elections and shifting the narrative from the more corporate Democrat uh, leanings towards a quote-unquote progressive platform, progressive message. So I think we could honestly learn a lot from that. I agree. And I I want to stress again that, like, part of this is, especially that with, like, joining the Green Party, we're not being totally serious, but it does open up a larger discussion, um, generally speaking. And I do feel... It would still be good because right now we have to admit, also for legal purposes, that there is no revolutionary movement against technology that is effective. So in the meantime, you know, go out and be a part of your community, especially like those who are making changes in your changes in quotations in different parties. There's nothing wrong with going out and meeting people because the world is sort of falling apart around us. So it's best to not be too pessimistic about things and instead try and take advantage of the time that you have and the resources that you have, which are all around you in your community. Oh, yeah. And to appease the YouTube terms of service, as Ted Kaczynski said, we need a revolution which may or may not use violence. We do not advocate for violence on the Uncivilized podcast. Please do not report us to the authorities. Thank you. That's true. But yeah. <laughs> that just needs to be clear because yeah. we don't want our channel taken down. Yeah, believe it or not, people people will message me very with some with I got an email, what was it? About a week and a half ago with someone saying, I wanna I wanna get involved in the revolution and I've never deleted an email so fast in my life. It's like don't do that. Oh, is that is that the one that you sent me that says, uh, if you have names and contact information for people, please send it to me? Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's some, that's some weird shit. Please don't, please don't send us emails like that. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm pretty sure I'm going to think you're a cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't talk to feds either on the Uncivilized podcast. So if you're a fed, don't email us. We don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is, actually, I just found... In the uh, anti-tech revolution, why and how book, um, Ted's what is essentially like a sort of six-point plan about entryism, and I'll read this off real quick. Point one: the anti-tech organization may be able to find suitable recruits for itself among the members of radical environmentalist groups. Two: if a member of the anti-tech organization can find a place on the editorial board of a radical environmentalist periodical, for instance, the Earth First Journal. 
he will be able to influence the content of the periodical. If a majority of anti-tech people can be placed on the editorial board, they will be able in effect to take over the periodical, minimize its leftist content, and use it systematically for propag propagation of anti-tech ideas. Three, if an anti-tech organization decides to undertake action on an environmentalist issue as suggested in section 17 of this chapter, and if it has power and influence within the radical environmentalist groups, then it should be able to secure support and cooperation from these groups in carrying out action in question. Point four, in some cases, the anti-tech revolutionaries may be able to take over a radical environmentalist group altogether and turn it into an anti-tech group. Under these circumstances, leftists can be expected to drift away from the group, and in their place, the group will attract recruits who are predisposed to anti-tech. Five, the work in radical environmentalist groups will provide anti-tech revolutionaries with valuable training and experience in leadership and organization. And finally, when an acute crisis of the system arrives, the power and influence that anti-tech revolutionaries wield within radical environmentalist groups will be useful in the effort to organize on a mass basis. So what I find most interesting in these ideas is stuff I've already mentioned about taking over editorial boards and periodicals, but also the experience this will give you to make you a better leader. The training and exercise in leadership and organization. And as Ted puts it, the idea of self-discipline and self-improvement is almost non-existent in leftist vocabulary. Very little does that come out. At most, I find that more within the Maoist Sort of terrain i think is where i see that the most and sometimes within your more uh, insurrectionary um, anarchist circles but even then it's still not that widespread and so i think we need to push for people's development as leaders in organization and i think that's heavily important moving forward oh i completely agree uh these are not like we were saying before these are not tools and skills that you're going to learn overnight so you have to really put the effort into bettering yourself, um, which Kaczynski just outlined. So, yeah, I don't have any disagreements with that. I don't think you do either. No, and I generally find a lot of these ideas of entryism to be useful. And again, I'll say it again, the Green Party's kind of a joke, kind of not. Again, this is just giving us sort of a discussion to go off of. But I think groups... I really like the idea of entryism into Extinction Rebellion, because what I've noticed is that even though the predominant movement is, it's basically a corporate movement. There's, I will try and find for later discussion sources that people have sent me that people, it's, I believe it was Britain, from the UK and from other uh, English-speaking European countries, basically are buying out leaders of the Extinction Movement to fight for environment like green technology which is they're playing into like what is already existing and becoming a development in the industrial system so they're not revolting against anything they're just accelerating essentially in their corporate bids whether or not they like to admit it but even though that's true there are a lot of people in the movement that are extremely radical and that's for almost any movement there will always have a radical minority until the movement either chooses to kick them out or it becomes itself a radical movement. So I think we need to capitalize on these people who feel maybe lost in these larger movements, but are still either susceptible to our ideas or already holding them. And I think the Extinction Rebellion, Earth First, Greenpeace, Sierra Club, groups like that will be extremely useful moving forward. 
I, I would even go so far as to say a lot of uh, militant vegan, uh, vegan organizations would be a very useful tool for us as well, um, because they're already against um, industrial farming. Um, so mm-hmm. how hard would it be to push these people to be not only just against industrial farming, but the growth and development of the technological system? I don't think it would be that far of a stretch. I agree. And they might have issue with the fact of, well, because let's, this is sort of hit or miss with some of Ethan's is that they blame indigenous people or they say indigenous people are like barbaric or uncivilized because they eat meat. And those are the sort of people that we perhaps should avoid. But I myself know, uh, extremely militant vegans who have taken the step into anti-save and even though they are still vegans and that's not very uh applicable to in to agrarian or nomadic societies they are still willing to understand the larger issue is mass society not meat so to speak so yeah I agree. definitely definitely um yeah what else what else do you want to go on so we already talked about the green party um, we talked about entryism. Um, got a little bit of Kaczynski in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Personally, I think we have hit a lot of points, more points than I expected to hit, and I'm actually really happy with with what this is. And if people want more uh, concepts of entryism or what we think of contemporary environmental movements, I think that would actually be a really interesting topic for a later episode. So if people want something like that, we can talk about it. Definitely, I agree. Um, whatever you guys want, just comment down below, and we are here to please you. So, yeah, let us know what you want, and we'll make it happen. But, um, yeah, I guess that one went a little bit quicker than I expected, but uh, this has been episode two of the Uncivilized podcast, and you all have a great day. <laughs>